0: I first saw snow last year and was instantly fascinated by its infinite intricacies. I'm Hannah Hitch, a Year 12 student currently obsessed with snow, even though it looked a lot more like a sloshy when I first saw it. And today on Podcast Next Gen, we're talking about all things cold and icy, snowflakes. So I'm going to start off with some news I think may be surprising. The hexagonal flake of snow in every Christmas movie, and more than one Disney movie now, is actually not a snowflake, but a snow crystal. A snow crystal displays the six-fold symmetrical characteristic that we're all familiar with, whereas snowflake refers to anything that falls from the winter clouds. How does a snow crystal form? I I'm not the only one that thinks that a cold climate plus rain equals snow crystals, but it turns out it's not that simple. A snow crystal is formed when a freezing cold water droplet collides with a pollen or dust particle when falling from the sky. This is different to frozen rain, known as sleet. You can imagine my surprise when I first saw snow in New South Wales and it rained the entire first day. The snow was more like a slushy than the fine powder I had expected, but if I compressed it into a ball, it froze together. So why wasn't the rain freezing if it was cold enough to stick together on the ground? For snow crystals to form, the atmospheric temperature needs to be at or below freezing, zero degrees Celsius. So it doesn't matter how cold it is on the ground. If it isn't cold enough in the surrounding atmosphere snow crystals won't form. Instead, you get slushy snow. Let's assume the atmospheric temperature is cold enough for snow crystals to form. If you're dreaming of a white Christmas, I have some more surprising news for you. Aside from Christmas taking place in summer for us Aussies, snow isn't actually white. Much like water and ice, snow crystals are, well, crystal clear. So why does it appear white? To explain, we have to go from something which appears white to something very colorful. Rainbows form when light shines through water droplets, which act as a prism and disperse the light into all the different colors of the rainbow. But did you know that snow does the opposite? The translucent snow and snow crystals bend the light and reflect the combination of all the colors combined, which is white. So snow crystals are effectively reverse rainbows. From the seven colors of the rainbow to the six symmetrical sides of snow crystals, Johannes Kepler, the astronomer best known for describing the way planets move, also wrote what is considered the first paper on snow crystal structure in 1611. He ended up stumped by the hexagonal flat shape and wrote, I have not yet gotten to the bottom of this. I find it funny that someone who described planetary movement in our solar system was stumped by something as small as a snow crystal. We now know that it's all to do with their molecular structure. I'm sure everyone's heard someone call water H2O before, but do you know why? Each water molecule is made up of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, hence the name, H2O, 20 Two H's, one O. Each water molecule looks like a tiny boomerang with each hydrogen atom attached to either side of the oxygen atom. Water molecules are polar, which means that one side of the molecule has a slight positive charge and the other a slight negative charge. Like a bar magnet. Because of this polarity, combined with their shape, when water molecules freeze, the positive side wants to bond to the negative side of another water molecule. This orders the molecules into a hexagonal shape, with one oxygen molecule sticking out from each corner and other water molecules attached to this as the snow crystal grows. I bet Kepler would be kicking himself now, but since atomic structure wasn't explained until 300 years after his death, I guess we can let Kepler off the hook. You've probably heard that no two snow crystals are the same. This is mostly true. A lot of it is to do with how snow crystals get their exact shape. Since snow itself can only form when the atmospheric temperature is at or below freezing, when a snow crystal is falling from the sky, it is shaped by the varying temperatures and humidities of the atmosphere. So it is statistically unlikely that any two complex snow crystals that we see adorning Elsa's castle would ever be the same even in the entire history of snow crystals on Earth. Small, simple snow crystals on the other hand could be very similar, maybe even the same under a microscope, but they only look like tiny hexagons, so there wouldn't be much variety in their shape specifically. If you live summer with year-round warm weather like me, it can be hard to see why we're going into so much detail about snow crystals. I mean, why would it matter? The answer, again, lies in their shape. As the shape of a snow crystal is so dependent on the atmosphere, their shape, size, and density are unique. This can be used to make predictions about what type of clouds they fell from and where they fell, which is vital for scientists predicting climate change. An estimated 1 septillion, that's the one with 24 zeros after it, snow crystals fall in the US alone every year. That's roughly the same number of stars believed to exist in our universe, so there are no shortages of snow crystals to analyse. So what else can snow crystals be used for? When snow crystals and snow on the surface get buried and compressed, they form layers of solid ice. This eventually forms large bodies of ice such as glaciers. Ice cores are drilled from such glaciers to study past climates and our effect on the environment. There are three different types of information that can be analysed from the ice cores and we're going to explain them in terms of chocolatey, malty goodness. The first is impurities in the ice, both solid and dissolved, much like the leftover Milo that didn't mix in. Snow crystals and snow are mostly comprised of almost pure water, but can also contain traces of ocean salt, dust, and pollutants from volcanoes, forest fires, and human activities. Unlike leftover Milo, This information can be analysed to detect major environmental changes and variations in the circulation and chemistry of the atmosphere. The second is bubbles of air trapped in the glacier ice like the bubbles in a Malteser. Although you can imagine there isn't much information on our climate hidden in a chocolate, but bubbles trapped while the snow is compressed act as time capsules of the atmosphere when they were trapped. This information has been analysed to show the dramatic increase of greenhouse gases in our atmosphere. The third is from the frozen water in the glacier itself. Heavy forms of hydrogen and oxygen are called isotopes. In the ocean, about 1 in 70 hydrogen atoms are heavy, while about 1 in every 500 oxygen atoms are heavy as well. As the water evaporates and travels to polar regions, the mix of heavy isotopes changes, which is mostly influenced by temperature. It turns out that researchers can infer temperatures when the snow originally fell by measuring the water isotopes in the ice cores. Who knew the humble snow crystal held so much vital information about climate change? From slushies to snow crystals to reverse rainbows and climate change, there is truly a lot to say about snow, even if you've only seen it once. So next time anyone tries to tell you a myth about snow, you'll have all the info to bust it. You've been listening to Podcast Next Gen, a collaboration between the National Youth Science Forum and Cosmos magazine. Year 12 students from across Australia have written and recorded their own science shortcasts about important topics in their lives. We'll be releasing them weekly, so keep an ear out. Cosmos is a publication of the Royal Institution of Australia, which is based in Adelaide, on Ghana land. The students recorded their pieces around Australia, and we pay respects to Indigenous groups across the country.